Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, mate. Frataloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 302, January 15th, 2020. It was 43 degrees on this day in 1990 and 37 below in 1888. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. John Abraham of the University of St. Thomas has been kind enough to join us today. And John, are you a professor of uh, thermal sciences, or do you uh, prefer to be known as a mechanical engineer? Well, you've been doing your homework. Well, I can uh, go to Wikipedia. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, everything's right on Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm a professor of thermal sciences, which means heat and fluids. Mm-hmm. So things like water, air, anything that can flow, and heat. <laughs> All right. And a PhD in mechanical engineering. You're making me blush. But You're yeah, a qualified right. uh, young man. <laughs> uh, CNN had this on Monday, January 13th, John, the world's oceans are now heating at the same rate as if five Hiroshima atomic bombs were dropped into the water every second, scientists have said. A new study released Monday showed that 2019 was yet another year of record-setting ocean warming, with water temperatures reaching the highest temperature ever recorded. An international team of 14 scientists examined data going back to the 1950s, looking at temperatures from the ocean surface to 2,000 meters deep, The study, which was published in the journal Advances in Atmospheric Sciences, also showed the oceans are warming at an increasing speed. And then we uh, we learn of a fellow named uh, Li Jing Cheng. Yeah, that's right. Man, your pronunciation's fantastic. I think you've been practicing. He's the paper's lead author, uh, an associate professor uh, at the International Center for Climate and Environmental Sciences at the Chinese Academy of Sciences. And he said there are no reasonable alternatives aside from the human emissions of heat trapping gases to explain this heating, Chang said. And then where we all got concerned, we heard a word I've never heard before, joules of heat. Yeah, jewels. so that is not jewels that you'd buy someone for Christmas or no. their birthday. No, uh, A jewel is, is a unit of energy, so all it right. just means a lot of energy. There's 120 million joules in a gallon of gasoline. I didn't do my math homework before I got here. I didn't know this was going to be a quiz, but I believe you. (laughs) I just looked that up, too. But here's where John uh, factors into this study, John Abraham. Uh, We are now at five to six Hiroshima bombs of heat each second, said John Abraham, one of the authors of the study and a professor of mechanical engineering at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. If 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 the intent was to terrify me, you've succeeded. <laughs> I, why are we not? Why are we here? You mean why are we in this room, or why no, are we in this planet? Why are we alive? <laughs> that sounds so frightening until you begin to break it down. And I mean, you're saying every second there's eighty six thousand four hundred seconds 
yeah. in 24 hours. That relates to 507,600 atomic bombs per second. Let me see if I'm phrasing it correctly, and you correct me, that you are contending that humans account for that heat being transferred to the ocean, that it's human occupation of the planet using fossil fuels and, uh, and their other profligate ways, which have resulted in this kind of heating. Is that a fair statement? Uh, I think let, maybe let's take a, a little step back, and I'll be short uh, with this answer. Um, we measure ocean temperatures, and we measure them with a bunch of different instruments, and groups around the world measure ocean temperatures. Why do we want to measure ocean temperatures? Because any excess heat that the Earth is gaining ends up in the oceans, over 90% of it. Mm-hmm. So if you, want to me- if you want to know global warming, you had better measure ocean warming. In fact, global warming is ocean warming. So we've measured, we measure the ocean heat every year, and we want to convey how fast the ocean is warming. And we, if you actually read the paper, we use a fancy term called a zeta joule. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a one with 21 zeros after it, joule. It's a freakishly huge number. It's hard to wrap your head around what a zeta joule is, so we converted it to the equivalency of Hiroshima bombs. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, five per second spread out around the world day and night, 365 days a year. It's an incredible number. Then you must know the inverse, which would be, are the oceans so vast that it's taking a millennium of time for that to have an impact? In other words, I've gotten emails from people wondering, hearing this, why isn't the ocean steaming? Why isn't it boiling and bubbling? Are the oceans so vast and water is so difficult to heat that we're not seeing an immediate impact of this? You know... I might give you an honorary degree in thermodynamics because that is a brilliant question. It's a really important question. We have established that the earth is warming, period. There is no doubt about that. Now, the question we want to next ask is, so what? That's what I'm asking. So what? So what we've found is that surface waters have warmed about a degree Celsius or just under two degrees Fahrenheit. Does that matter? Since when? Since around 1985. All right. Okay. So does that matter? Well, how, one of the things we want to know is how does it impact humans and how does it impact animal life? I'll tell you two ways that it impacts humans. Way number one, when water heats up, it evaporates moisture to the atmosphere much, much, much faster. I'm using three muches there. Much faster. Three, I got that three. Makes the, yep, three of them. That makes the air more humid, and that's what drives weather. That's what drives precipitation. That's what drives storms. So a warming ocean leads to, we scientists like to say weather on steroids. It means that when it rains, it's going to rain harder, and you're going to get bigger swings in weather. So you could go from hot and dry to cold very quickly, and then back to hot and dry. We know that's happening. And in fact, warmer oceans are making hurricanes and typhoons stronger. I did a study a couple years ago about Hurricane Harvey. That was a multi-billion dollar storm. And that was a lot of the rainfall that fell because of Harvey was because the Gulf uh, of Mexico was freakishly hot. And part of that was due to climate change. So so a warming ocean affects our weather. Why are we in a period of, uh, uh, luckily, we're in a period of uh, no severe hurricanes? Uh, We're not. We're not right no. now, are we? 
Well, it's winter. No, I understand, but I mean, last last fall we didn't have any. I would, if you look at the past three or four years, we have had a ton of really powerful hurricanes. Puerto Rico still devastated. Yeah. We've had two, uh, Florence was a hurricane that hit the Carolinas. We had a hurricane that went up the spine of Florida. We've had Harvey. I mean, these are really expensive. And do you know how much Superstorm Sandy cost us? I can't imagine. I'll tell you, $65 billion. Mm-hmm. And about 20, 20 to 30% of that was due to climate change. So, so, so Joe, I don't know. I like money. Mm-hmm. I don't like to give money away for, for no reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste money on excess damage caused by these storms. And, and that is certainly happening. But I, but I only mentioned one of the issues, and that was more severe weather. A second issue that's happening is sea levels are rising. Mm-hmm. Why are sea levels rising? Well, in part, as you heat up water, do you know what happens? Yeah, it expands. It expands, exactly. And a good part of our sea level rise is due to these warming oceans. What is the impact for us? Well, we're going to have about three feet of sea level rise by 2100. Do you know anyone who lives in Miami? Yeah, many. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I want you to do? Email them while we're on the show. Ask them if, if floods have gotten worse in Miami over the past couple decades. Parts of Miami are now flooding with high tide. Mm-hmm. So this is really expensive. What are you going to do in Miami? You How about Venice, which was underwater two months ago, and now the canals are dry because of a really great low tide? That's wonderful. That's great. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I want to stick with the, uh, and most of the listeners were as confounded as I am by these, the analogy of the six bombs per second. What's your control for that? Wouldn't you have to have another Earth to compare it to? There's no control. This is conjecture and modeling. Uh, actually, we have no modeling. Here's what it is. These are measurements These that are taken in the oceans. We're actually measuring temperatures. Do you have any kids? I do. Okay. When they get sick, you stick a thermometer in their mouth. You can measure their temperature. You can mm-hmm. get a sense of, of, of their health and their temperature. We're doing the same thing in the oceans. And we are not using computer models. We are actually taking temperature measurements. And here's what we're showing. The temperatures of the oceans are increasing. They've been increasing steadily. And they're going, they're increasing faster. So, but compared to what? Wouldn't doesn't science require a control? Doesn't if I say cigarette smoking kills you, I have to have twenty people in a room. Ten smoke, ten don't. I take their vitals. They come back in six months, a year, seven years, or whatever, and I be able to empirically prove that the cigarettes have cut short the lives of the people who smoke. Wouldn't you need as a control an adjacent earth that we could, you know, hop over there on a helicopter? No humans live there. We could measure the temperature of the ocean, then come back here and compare how the two relate. So, Joe, uh, we're sitting here, and some of uh, the staff have, I, I see a coffee sitting on the table. Right. There's a coffee, cup of coffee. I could stick a thermometer in that cup of coffee, and I could tell you the temperature of that coffee. Right. And in fact, if I stuck, left my thermometer in there for a while, I could tell you whether the coffee's warming up or cooling down. Mm-hmm. I don't need another cup of coffee to tell me what is happening to your, the cup of coffee on the table. I don't need a comparison. So uh, the, what you've described in terms of comparison is not necessary because what we want to know is, is, are the oceans warming? And if they're warming, how fast? I have a question about that, Joe. Uh, and I actually wrote it down about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Two questions about that. Um, where, as in what depth is the ocean warming, and where is the temp being taken? Surface, mid, 1,000 feet down, whatever. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the reason why we go back to the 1950s is that's when we first get good temperature data. Do you know where we get it from? Navy. 
Mm-hmm. The Navy has temperature measurement devices that determine where what's called the thermocline is. And why do they do that? Because they want sub submarines can hide underneath the thermocline. Sure, right, yeah. The temperature sensing probes that the Navy uses, this is a man, I hate to say this, it's called an expendable bathythermograph. We just call it an XBT. So we have this temperature data from these devices, hundreds of thousands of these devices dropped into the ocean over many, many decades. Those devices go down to up, up to 2,000, about 2,000 meters. Okay. Most of them are about 700 meters, which is a little over 2,000 feet. In the year 2005, however, the scientific community created a new system, which is better. It's called the ARGO system, A-R-G-O. And it is a set of robotic temperature sensors. There's about 3,800 of them right now. They're spread out uniformly around the ocean. And they go down through the ocean water to 2,000 meters. And as they go down, they record the temperatures. And then they come up to the surface of the ocean, and they transmit that data to, to laboratories. So we really use multiple different temperature sensors. But the Argo system, since 2005 has been the gold standard. Okay. Um, you asked, where is the water heating? Yeah, it's, yeah, what depth? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's very little heating below 2,000 meters. Most of the heating is in the top 300 meters. Okay, it's, it's kind of like a lake. Yeah. Uh, spring and fall. That's, that's so, exactly right. Uh, now here comes a really, really dumb question. Can we roil it up, bring the cold water from down there up to the top and... Even things out? Yeah. Um, you know, that's actually a really good question. Nah, it um, seems absurd. I now think that, it's a stupid n- question. Now that I've said it out loud, it seems <laughs> yeah. like a really dumb question. So we get a big, strong... Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, if we could exactly. do it. If, it we, if we could do it, it would be great, but it would be really expensive to do. But i got to tell you something. Yeah, we, we, we owe the oceans a thanks. We owe the ocean a thanks for taking up all of this heat because it really buys us a ton of time. There are parts of the world where waters rise and fall especially near the North and South Pole. Mm -hmm. But for us to do it on a reasonable scale would be uh, impossible. But, but, yeah, if you could come up with a way, you would be a millionaire. And just remember, I was here in the room when you when you articulated <laughs> no, it. I, I, John, I still think it's a dumb question. John, it, it, this research seems predicated on the idea that do you have a temperature in mind that the ocean is supposed to be? You know, Joe, there isn't a temperature the ocean is supposed to be. But let me tell you something. Human society is built with the ocean where it is and at the temperature it is. If the ocean height changes and the temperatures change, the question is, what is the impact? Mm -hmm. I am not going to tell anyone that the ocean should be 50 degrees or should be 55. But it's my job to tell people what happens when the ocean's warm. Uh, Let me give you a... so, So we've built Miami. Near the coast. Mm -hmm. What happens when the oceans rise three feet? We have coral that have adapted to live in certain temperature ranges. The Great Barrier Reef, for example. Mm -hmm. And we're experiencing huge coral die-offs. That's because the coral is adapted to a certain temperature. So it's not that there is a temperature the ocean is supposed to be at. The better question is, what we've we have a world that's adapted to a certain ocean temperature. What happens when that temperature changes? What are the implications? Is there a time that you think climate was in, uh, in harmony with human beings? In other words, is there a time when the climate never did change? There, climate changes, absolutely. It always changes. And it's, 
you know, climate change before humans were, were on the planet. Yeah, we, actually, we wouldn't be here. 10,000 years ago, this was ice right here. The climate, there are natural changes of climate, absolutely. And what we are seeing and what my colleague, uh, Dr. Cheng, mentioned is what we're seeing right now has no natural explanation, but, but climate is never totally static. What relation does the sun have? Isn't the sun the biggest nuclear reactor in the universe? It would make these bombs look like gnats on an elephant's hide, the sun. The sun has to be driving some of this heating and cooling and heating and cooling. Isn't it protection from the sun? Well, uh, ozone. So, so, so there's a couple ideas floating around. Ozone does protect us from some of the harmful radiation of the sun. And, and um, uh, I, I'm sorry. Let me let me take that back. Ozone can destroy the protect part of the protective layer. So we don't want to release ozone to the upper atmosphere. Um, the sun isn't the biggest nuclear energy source of the universe. Um, it is the biggest one in our solar system, and the sun is really, really important of providing heat. The sun provides a ton of heat for us, and that's great. Right. Um, And no no one's doubting that. But here's what we want to know, Joe. We want to know, is the Earth changing? And if it is, how fast? And if it's changing, what are the consequences? And if there are consequences, what should we do about it? I mean, these are just reasonable questions that someone would ask because they could have dire consequences for us in the future. If the premise is that the heat is driven by human behavior, burning of fossil fuels and what have you, don't you also have to factor in uh, what the equivalent in bombs, to keep that analogy going, that nature itself produces? Underwater Mm. volcanoes, Going back to the sun, I mean, yeah. that, that has to be part of this configuration, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. And so what scientists have to do is we have to separate the human impacts from the natural impacts. And you mentioned something called the, su- the sun. And the sun uh, power changes because the Earth's orbit changes, as an example. So I'm just using a natural example to try to compare it with the what Hankovich scale or Milankovitch. Well, Milankovitch. You, you wow. say that at a cocktail party, you're either going to be the most popular <laughs> yeah. person or get kicked out, right? as okay. opposed to anthropogenic. Yeah. yeah. So, so Joe, we really want to know: Hey, is this something that's natural, or are humans causing it? Could it be the Milankovitch cycle, for mm-hmm. example? Which well, is a natural cycle. It is absolutely natural. Absolutely. Well, the Milankovitch cycles operate on about 100,000 years terms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we would not expect a temperature rise this fast if the process took 100,000 years. Mm-hmm. We know it's not the Milankovitch cycle. And in fact, just based on the Milankovitch cycle, these orbital changes, we should be cooling. We're seeing the reverse. So scientists, look, look. I wish I could come here from St. Thomas and tell you there was a natural explanation and we don't have to worry about it. I wish I could, but I can't. We've looked for natural explanations and there aren't none. And so we have to face, we have to face truth even if it's uncomfortable. What is our climate supposed to be like? Well, I think I answered that earlier. There is no supposed to be climate. There right. is no climate. We're, we're, I'm not sitting here in the studio telling you we should have a certain temperature. All right. What I'm telling you is we built society based on a current climate. And if that climate changes, we have to ask ourselves, what are the consequences? So, so Joe, if you build a house near the shore, right. you're building your house based on the current water level. Right. Now, if the water level changes, let's say the water goes up and covers your house, 
It doesn't mean that the climate's at a quote unquote wrong temperature, but it means it's at a wrong temperature for your house. Right. Do you know how many people currently live within three feet of sea level? Well, I think that's one of the greatest uh, factors that uh, doesn't get reported often enough. What's happening is more and more people live in harm's way of storms that have always existed, but we're, we have an insatiable appetite to live three feet from the water. Well, that... Um, <laughs> and that's crazy because you're in harm's way now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and people make decisions to live in places and, and they can live in harm's way. But I'll tell you what, there's a country called Bangladesh that has 20 million people living within three feet of sea level rise. Mm -hmm. Maybe they live there by choice. Maybe they live there by necessity. 150 million people around the world will be displaced by the year 2100 because of sea level. Okay. Now, I am not saying that the sea will be at the wrong temperature in the year 2100, but I'm going to say it's going to be at the wrong temperature for those 150 million people. And what we need to ask, we need to be honest and say, what are the consequences and can or should we do anything about it? And those are tough questions. Okay. You're going where I was going to go. What do you want me? I'm a guy buying groceries, making a car payment, paying a mortgage, sending the kids through school. I'm just leading my life, paying taxes. What do you want me to do? You don't really grocery shop, though. Not, we all not know really. That. Yeah, that okay. wasn't true. That I was, was going to ask him how much a gallon of milk costs. <laughs> I had no idea. No, yeah. no, you would get that same blank stare that you're getting from me yeah. talking about all this stuff. What do you want us to do? So, Joe, I... Um, what are you doing? I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm doing. But... Um, the, I got some good news for you. Okay. There is a way that we can solve this problem and save money. Do you have anything against money? I love money. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. The, the two things that we can do immediately, we don't need to wait for cold fusion. We don't need to wait for aliens with pixie dust to solve the problem. We can solve it today. Let me tell you how. Yeah. One, let's use energy more wisely. I, you know, I, I, I understand you're on the right side of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to waste money. No. And you don't want to waste energy. No, I don't. I bet, I bet you know, your, your uh, clothes look really good, but I bet if you got a hole in your pants, you might even get them fixed rather than buy new ones. That's happened. Okay. You're a conservative. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. In the sense that I'm a conservationist. I, I have no doubts about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you know, let's think about our energy. Let's think about a gallon of gas. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's almost magic. Do oh, you know the, the, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The energy it produces. Yes. And you know who makes it? The earth. Yeah. yeah. Well, microbes. Right. There's no one fabricating gasoline or petroleum in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. We are extracting it. So it is a finite resource. I think we'd all agree with that. And we would agree that it is wonderful. And why would you want to waste a wonderful use? I mean, think about it, Joe. A gallon of gas can take an SUV, push it 60 miles an hour for 20 miles. That's freaking cool. It's a miracle. So let's just use it more wisely. All right. How? Okay. Let's, let's get higher efficiency with our vehicles. Let's insulate our homes. Let's use more energy efficient appliances. You can save money by reducing the amount of energy you use, and you're just not wasting it. Why waste no one, whether you're on the left or right side of the political spectrum, wants to waste? That's step number one. Just use it more wisely. I, step, I, I step. think we all do that. We at, do that. At least I do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's common sense. But my deal is uh, I have a big truck because I need it. I, I'm pulling equipment, tractors, skid loaders. You know, I, I can't I can't own an electric vehicle. It won't work for yeah, me. And I hear you. And you shouldn't own an electric vehicle. But you know what? Some of us can. Yeah. So in the year 20, 2001, I bought a Honda Insight. I still own it. 
that car, do you know that over the lifetime of the car... So homely that it's cool looking. <laughs> it is actually, it is, it, we call it the Judy Jetson yes. car. Like, but let me tell you something. <laughs> if, you right. compare, if you compare my car to an average car... Sound just changed. Like oh. it just blew up in my ears. Oh, something happened? Uh, maybe headphones. Uh, it might be that. Episode. Sorry. So, Joe, if you compare... It's not sabotage. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. No, I, listen, I really appreciate you guys bringing me in here. This oh, is really great. Thanks for the Well, how issue. come you wouldn't come in the first time I asked you? Oh, wait, let's, let's... Can we stay on yeah, track? Yeah, I know. Okay. Let's go. So, so my car, over the, over the lifetime of my car... I will save, I'm glad you're sitting down, because this is going to knock your socks off, $21,000 in the cost of gas. Yeah. I need in, my we don't know that button. But you have, and you uh, know what? My car costs $20,600. So, so to answer your question, I'm not telling people who need a truck to go out and buy a Honda Insight, but there's a lot of people who just commute. And right. shoot, I, I have saved in money, the amount that I spent on my car. That's pretty freaking cool. You know, the only problem I get from that is a back problem because my wallet's so fat. Okay, <laughs> so we can use energy more wisely. I got a home energy audit yep. in my house. Yep. And with it, I put some insulation in and, and fixed my house up. Within the first year, I got a return on investment for my expenses. Mm -hmm. So every year after that, it's just gravy. Now, so that's item number one. Use energy more wisely. We can, No one can argue with that. Item number two, and this is why I'm excited. We can maximize the use of clean, renewable energy, especially wind and solar. I, the cost of wind and solar has dropped so dramatically over the past three decades that it competes with coal. Do you know that Minnesota has an enormous number of wind and solar jobs? Yes. I outfitted my house last year with solar panels. I'm virtually off-grid. The return on investment is seven years. Mm -hmm. I paid a Minnesota company to put solar panels on my house, I get a check from Excel Energy, and after seven years, it's all profit. I would rather do that. Oh, by the way, the emissions are zero. Mm -hmm. are I would you? rather do that than pay for wars in countries that don't like us so much to protect oil or to ship in coal from countries and other countries and other places. I would rather build an economy in Minnesota that's clean, that saves me money, and that creates jobs. Who could be against that? It's hard to refute anything you're saying, but it seems to pale. The fact that you have a Honda Insight and solar panels on your home pales against 500,600 bombs going off every second. You know, that changing the light bulb, how does that affect that? It, it, it just, it's, it's, it's still mind-boggling, which I is you. why I called you in the first yeah. place. I hear you. I hear you. So my emissions, my personal emissions are about a quarter of the average emissions of a person in the United States. If I am the only one who does it, it's not going to matter. Right. But if, if everyone does it. If billions of people he, did it. Then it would make an impact. Yeah. And look, in the past, Joe... People told me, John, I know the climate's changing, but it's just too darn expensive to do anything about it. Well, you can't say that anymore because wind and solar competes with coal. Mm -hmm. So if you had to build a coal plant or to put up wind uh, turbines or solar panels, and the cost was the same, but one of them didn't pollute at all and the other two didn't pollute at all and the other one did, which, which, which is a logical choice? I'd go with the non-pollution. Yeah. And in fact, you're building jobs here in Minnesota. I, I don't know if you drive to the southern Minnesota, but it's wind turbine and after wind turbine. Yeah. It is re-energizing the rural part of Minnesota. I want to pay farmers in Minnesota for my electricity. In fact, before I got solar panels, 
I was on the Excel Energy Wind Source program for about 15 years, which meant all of my energy in my house came from wind. And that's money going to the pockets of farmers with wind turbines on their property. I love that. Who, who can be against that? Do you have children? I have four. Four kids? Two biological, two adopted. Do you fear for their future? Um, I feel fear for the future of the planet. I got to tell you, I'm privileged. I mean, we live in one of the best states in the best country of the world. Mm -hmm. And some parts of the world will be affected more than others. My kids are going to be insulated. But let me tell you something. One of my daughters is adopted from Uganda. Mm -hmm. And she comes from a country that is impoverished and that is a subsistence farmer economy. I do a lot of uh, energy work in in Africa. And I got to tell you, those are hardworking people. And they live at the edge of what they can do. And they are the farming communities in the developing world are already feeling the effects. So I, I fear for for those people. I feel for people around the world. But I got to tell you, frankly, my kids will probably be insulated from the impacts. Well, how can they be? I mean, I could say the same thing if you're just talking socioeconomically, but if the if the predictions of the future climate are dire and the seas are going to rise and Kansas is going to be underwater, it doesn't make any difference how well you've done. Your kids are still going to be in trouble. Well, but Kansas isn't close to the sea. I mean, parts of the U.S. will suffer more than others. Uh, Miami and New York will suffer more than Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We are fortunate in that we live in a state that is a part of the world that is almost as insulated as possible from the issues of climate change. Now, that doesn't mean we're totally insulated. We will still feel the effects, but it will be less here than elsewhere. I have a number of questions. Uh, back to your uh, solar panels. Are you selling, uh, and this is just basically for my own personal information, uh, because I'm very curious about this. Are you selling the power right back to the power company, or are you um, um, storing it in batteries? That's a really good question. Uh, we don't store it. Battery storage is possible, but expensive. Yeah, so that's in, what I've I, I've done a bunch of research, and yeah. I do want to go way off the grid at my place up north, uh, and and I want all my power to come from either solar or the wind. But I found that the batteries uh, are, are cost prohibitive, and then I started researching how they get the materials for these batteries, and the mining for the nickel yeah. and the lead and everything else is. It's really disturbing, and it's a serious pollutant. Yeah, that's right. And so it is. It is. You can avoid use of batteries if you do this net metering, and you're connected to the grid, and you sell back. You don't need to store it. So that's basically the best way to do it. And there's a potential if you don't use a lot of electricity to actually get a check from the power company. I get a check. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's. I mean, this is the kind. We're we're at the point in the technology where. It just makes economic sense and environmental sense to do some of these things. There is no longer an economic argument to do nothing. Right. Let's go back to the bombs, which is why you were here. How many years is it going to take before this overwhelming statistic results in something uh, measurable, knowable? Uh, it is already measurable. Okay. Uh, uh, destructive. We are already seeing the impacts of climate change in a warming ocean. So we've had a major die-off in the Great Barrier Reef. Is that destructive? I think so. We've had uh, storms that have become more powerful because of climate change. Is that destructive? I think it is. We uh, let's think about the impacts of in the American heartland. Farmers have to deal with wilder weather, which means heavier rains followed by 
Hotter droughts. Is that destructive? Yeah, it was. In 2012, we had a $35 billion farm disaster. Last year, we had flooding throughout the central Midwest. So those things are destructive, and that's already happening. What was used as, a, what was used as an analogy before uh, an atomic bomb? In other words, the oceans have always been heating to some degree because of the sun. Was, was this being worried about in 1935? Uh, the oceans have not always been heating. Hmm. Um, the oceans have gone through natural cycles that we've talked about, heating and cooling. What we're seeing now is an incredibly rapid rise of temperature. Um, so, so, so uh, um, I can't even remember what your question was. You just, uh, you, you got me distracted there. Uh, I guess my question well, was... Uh, I have a spin on that, Such, and my question is, has in the past the ocean absorbed this heat without any noticeable... Uh, rise or fall, and has it completely stopped absorbing the heat? And uh, when, if it has stopped absorbing this heat, when did it stop? Well, the ocean has not stopped absorbing the heat. In fact, last year the heat increase was the biggest in a decade. Uh, we do not expect the ocean to stop absorbing the heat, which is, as I said, great. I mean, the ocean's doing us a favor. Mm -hmm. The warming will continue into the foreseeable future, and impacts will continue to increase in severity. Okay. May I read you an email from one of our listeners? Sure. Dave in Alexandria. As a card-carrying engineering nerd, I can't resist trying to put some of the bomb in the ocean numbers into garage logic perspective. First of all, most people are not familiar with the unit of energy, the joule. I wasn't until yesterday. Uh, we all know the unit of power is the watt. A watt is simply defined as one joule per second. So your 60-watt light bulb is using 60 joules of energy per second. For reference, I looked up the output of the Monticello nuclear plant. It produces enough energy to keep over 11 million 60-watt bulbs lit. I estimate that plant would take 26 hours to produce as much energy as was released by the Hiroshima bomb, so roughly a bomb a day. It takes a lot of energy to heat up water. I couldn't find Spoon Lake on the DNR website, but to give you something to relate to, I looked up the volume of White Bear Lake. If you release the energy of one Hiroshima bomb into the lake, it would raise the water temperature about 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit. If you release five bombs per second into the lake, it wouldn't take long to have a problem. The oceans are so immense, though, that they can take a lot of heat. Even at the rate of five bombs per second, it would take about 300 years to raise the ocean temperature by one degree. That assumes even heating, which isn't going to be the case. Good luck accurately modeling how that heat will mix with the ocean depths. <laughs> Sorry to nerd on you, but hopefully I put it into terms I, that GLer can relate to. Can you identify with any of that? I didn't yeah, understand any of it. Absolutely. So he, this uh, reader has pointed out that water can absorb a lot of heat, and it would take a long time to heat up the ocean if the ocean heated uniformly. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you what we're observing. We're observing the upper part of the ocean to heat and the bottom part not to heat very much. So let's put this in. And by the way, no models are used here. These yeah, are actual temperature measurements. We have measured an increase of ocean surface temperatures of almost 2 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. And if we continue on that path... There are going to be much more severe consequences. I mean, you can't argue with real data. And the real data is showing that temperature is increasing. It's increasing rapidly. We can measure it, and it's going to continue. Can I read one more? Please, read as many as you want. From Brian uh, Hoffmeister. He's a project engineer. He writes, 
You can breathe easy. The oceans aren't going to boil anytime soon. The energy unit we use on this side of the pond is the BTU. A BTU is the amount of heat required to raise one pound of water one degree Fahrenheit. The weight of water in the oceans is 2.8 sextillion pounds. Wow. That's 2.8 followed by 21 zeros. Okay, everybody's, that's why John's here. (laughs) Uh, The A-bomb detonations are measured in kilotons. Uh, One kiloton equals 3.9 billion BTU, so approximately 1 billion 1KT detonations might raise the ocean temp 1 degree Fahrenheit. That doesn't take into account the mass of the Earth in the atmosphere. I think the main taking uh, the main takeaway is that changing your light bulbs and parking your SUV will not make a bit not make a bit of difference on world temps. Yeah, so we are not worried about the ocean boiling. No, nope. as a I was it. yesterday. Now yeah. I'm relieved. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but. I mean, boiling would be crazy, right. but we are worried about ocean temperatures that increase. Yep. And what this uh, email indicates, and it's similar to the last email, the, it takes a lot of energy to raise the entire ocean, but we're not worried about the really deep parts of the ocean. And let me just say it again. We have measured a nearly two degree increase of the ocean surface temperature, and that's what really matters. That's what drives weather. We've measured that. Since 1985. Yeah. Is it possible that in the next 10 years, you will see it re- be reduced by a degree? I would love it. Can you think of a reason why it might be reduced? I, I don't know. Uh, That's yeah. not my pay there's actually That's why no, you're here. There, there's no way it will be. Well, actually, there is a way it could be reduced. A, some, and this is totally natural. If a large tropical volcano goes off, they can put enough particulates in the atmosphere to actually reflect sunlight. We've seen that with Mount Pinatubo, yeah. with Mount Angung, and It's happening right Chicon. now in the Philippines. Mount Chikan. And, and so let's take that Philippines volcano. If that volcano had enough force to eject particles into the upper part of the atmosphere, it will cause a temporary two- to three-year cooling of the entire Earth. In fact, there are, do you, have you ever heard of Krakatoa? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and did, Krakatoa went off and caused a, a winter Nuclear around Nuclear winter. Yeah. Well, and, I don't want that. No, we don't want that. So, <laughs> so it is possible that temperatures reverse themselves for a couple of years if we get a natural volcano, but it's, I wouldn't... Uh, it's bet tough my, to pray for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> may I, uh, are you familiar with a guy named Garth Paltridge? No. He is, uh, I'll tell you who he is, he is uh, a retired Australian atmospheric physicist. He is a visiting fellow at the Australian National University, an emeritus professor, an honorary research fellow at the Institute of Antarctic and Southern Ocean Studies at the University of Tasmania. He's 76 years old. I've stumbled upon his uh, articles in an online magazine called Quadrant. And I just, can I read you a a quote that sums up where I am? Read me anything you want. I've never been a denier that the climate changes. No rational soul could deny that the climate changes. It's been changing since the beginning of the time, and it'll continue to change. I agree. All right. What I deny is the effort the political class is making to turn this into new revenue streams from the government— in other words, collecting more taxes from me. What the hell is that going to do to stop the warming? Carbon that's just, credits. That's carbon credits, which I find nonsense. But I, I've said what this uh, Garth fellow has written far more eloquently than I could ever state it. Not true. <clears throat> well, You're just as eloquent. 
<laughs> the bottom line of politically correct thought on the matter, the thought that we must collectively do something drastic now to prevent climate change in the future, is so full of holes that it brings the overall sanity of mankind into question. For what it is worth, one possible theory is that mankind, or at least that fraction of it that has become both overeducated and more delicate, as a result of a massive increase of its wealth in recent times, has managed to remove the beliefs of existing religions from its consideration, and now it misses them. As a replacement, it has manufactured a set of beliefs about climate change that can be used to guide and ultimately to control human behavior. The beliefs are similar to those of the established religions in that they are more or less unprovable in any strict scientific sense. Let me tell you something, John. Are you a man of faith, by the way? I, I am a man of faith, and I work at the University of St. Thomas, which is guided by faith and yep. the principles of the Catholic religion. Let me tell you something. I make the measurements. Mm-hmm. I see the data. I have temperature sensors. I work with people from around the world. Do you want to know how much I got paid for this research? Zero. I don't get paid at all. It's why like doing do I, a podcast. Why do I... <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't across the table, I'd give you a hug. That was <laughs> Why am I here? Why do I spend my time doing research without being paid? It's because the data is telling me something really important, and I think we can do something about it. This is my, my temperature measurements, my temperature sensors. They're not Republican. They're not Democrat. The, the heat that we're getting, it's, it's data. It's hard data. What we have to do is ask ourselves, if we believe the data, what do we do? And that's the conversation we need to have. What are the practical things that we can do to actually make this better? Because you know what? You've got kids. I've got kids. We, we care. We care. You and I both care about this planet. We care about the environment. We care about the future that we live to our kids And it would be unethical for me to get my data from the oceans. It's telling me a clear story and to ignore it and to not come out and try to tell society or to try to ask society, what should we do? We can do something about it. And if we start now, we can not only save the environment, but we can save money. And there's no rational person who can be against that. Why did you have to be so damn reasonable? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I am just hoping you invite me back. I'm, I a, I'm a reasonable to. guy. I, look, I'm just a, I'm a blue-collar scientist who loves this planet, loves my family, loves the state. I love gopher hockey. You know, I don't know. Can I say damn it on the air? I mean, I'm just, I, just, I just want to contribute to a better planet and a better society, and this is my way of doing it. And, and I know you don't believe this. But some people, are, are, when they see data like mine come out, accuse us of being frauds. And I'll tell you, man, I don't, I'm not. I, I would m- never call I you didn't, a fraud. I didn't. I said yeah. you don't You're do excluded, this. Yeah. Yep. And I got to tell you, um, it is a thankless job. It's a non-paid job. I do it because I love. I love. Can I say I love you? I love you. <laughs> Thank I love you. All, I love everyone. I'm getting, I'm getting a little quivy. I have to. Uh, can, can I break you two love yeah, words? Uh, uh, where I'm coming from is, is a lot of it seems like it's marketing and the final goal is higher taxes and carbon credits. And carbon credits, I see that as punishment for me living just a, a normal everyday mm-hmm. life. And, and I see some people buying carbon credits so they can – 
plant trees, which I do every single year anyway and don't make any money of it uh, off it. And I do it because I want trees yeah. there. Right, right. Or, or You're I, a good guy. Or I dig up stupid black walnut trees that have roots six feet long and put them somewhere else because I love stupid black walnut trees. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, and it just really irks the hell out of me that somebody somewhere has got such a guilty conscience that they're writing a check because they just took a jet from L.A. to New York so somebody else can make money planting a tree. That that, that yeah. it just To me, that just seems you guys, shift, you guys, shifty. You guys, you'll have to excuse me, John. I have to do an ad for some cars. <laughs> Come on, let, let him answer. Let him answer. Let that, me give you Such. a quick answer. So, so, so I, I hear you, and I am not here advocating for carbon credits. I'm not here for right. advocating I, cap and trade. Yeah, Here's yeah. what I'm advocating for. Let's do something. Yeah. And what we have is a dialogue in this country where half, about half of the U.S says, let's not do anything, or let's not at least do those solutions. And the other half of the U.S. says, let's do all these solutions. If you don't like the proposed solutions, come up with some of your own. Come up with some free market ones. Because you know what? I don't care which solution we pick, but we better pick something, and it better work. And if you pick a free market one, I'm going to be behind you. Shoot, I'll even campaign for you. Let's just find some solutions. Let's not be married to any particular one. John, when you finally have to upgrade that Honda inside, I want you to go to Schmel's (laughs) Countryside in Maplewood. These are fuel-efficient Volkswagens, Fiats, and Alfa Romeos. There's a 2019 clearance deal on now in on Alfa Romeo. The 2020s are around the corner, and there's a sign and then drive performance event with Alfa Romeo where your first payment is waived on leasing a new Alfa Romeo. They're clearing out the 2019 Fiats and the 2020 Volkswagen Tiguans around the ground and ready for delivery, and you will have no trouble finding hybrid vehicles, reasonably priced vehicles, and terribly fuel-efficient vehicles at Schmel's Countryside in Maplewood. You know why that's important for me? Hmm? Because when I bought my Honda Insight, I promised my wife I will not drink coffee in this darn car. And in the first day, I ordered a depth charge with a shot of chocolate, (laughs) and I spilled it on the car first day. And I pulled, I got to tell you, I can't get that smell out. It's 2001. So I, my wife. You might be upgrading. My wife will not ride my car. She's trying to get me to change that darn car. And so you've just inspired me, man. And plus, every one of these, every one of these Alfa Romeos, Fiats, and Volkswagens have multiple cup, cup holders. (laughs) <laughs> Back so in 2001, that prehistoric Joe Jetson car you bought <laughs> didn't even Jetson. have a cup holder. Come on. Judy Jetson. Judy yeah. Jetson. Yeah. Judy yeah. Schmel's Countryside Jesus. of Maplewood. Uh, it's on the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61. Our guest has been John Abraham of the University of St. Thomas, and I can't thank you enough. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Wait, wait, wait. I have to ask the most controversial question Uh-oh. he's going to get all day. Uh-oh. All right. Here we go. What do you think of the Josh Donaldson signing for the Twins? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't know who that is, Reavers. Jeez. I would like well, he said he was a Gopher hockey fan. I figured he was paying attention to the Twins' big signing. I am not. I did was not paying You know what? Did it just happen? Uh, yeah, last night, yes. So uh, I think he's excused. Okay, good. good. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. I would also good. like to uh, pat myself on the back for keeping my mouth shut, as I was told. You are to be you are to be, to be congratulated. To drag it down into really dumb standards. <laughs> well, John, I want to add you to our list of people we go to. We've got a we've got an astronomer at the U, a Lawrence Rudnick, that we call mm-hmm. occasionally. I, 
I would like to put you in the Rolodex if that's I all right. I would be honored. I'm, I'm, I'm And you I'm know pleased. what? Abraham, AB, I bet I'll be at the front of the Rolodex. Yeah, you will. Do you, you have to explain to these podcast listeners what a Rolodex is? No. No, I don't know. <laughs> They're our age. They're our age. They're they know. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We're going to be back. Thank you again to John Abraham from the University of St. Thomas. This Dylan, Joe Suchere. Damn, this is new. He uh, he said a bunch, so yeah. Wow, you know what? Listening to this nice soft music from Dylan Height makes me hungry. If it makes you hungry, go to Jack's Cafe. J A X Cafe dot com. It's in uh, Northeast Minneapolis, and they do a wonderful job. It's three generations. Uh, they really pride themselves on great ambiance, great food, great cocktails. And also, a wonderful uh, catering. If you want to have a party there, a work party, maybe it's a wedding. You can book it. They have the facilities for up to 300. If you want to be a little more intimate, well, you can get the Rookie VIP date night menu. Ask for it when your server comes by. And they'll show you several different choices. It's a four-course dinner. Includes a bottle of wine and dessert. And it's less than $100. So enjoy yourself. When you you know, work hard and you're going to spend your money on a nice meal, Think about Jack's Cafe, Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, tell them that the rookie sent you, J-A-X-C-A-F-E dot com, 1928 University Avenue Northeast, right at 20th, jackscafe.com. John Abraham was a uh, wonderful fellow. Uh, there's not much he said that you could really disagree with. I still am opposed to the idea, and I don't suggest it's him, but there is a faction of uh, people on his side of the fence that really do see this as a means to take control and increase taxes and right. uh, determine behaviors. I, 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 have, I have a sense that he does not fall into that camp. Plus, he's putting his money where his mouth is. Yes, yeah. he is. And I was impressed with, uh, with the fact that he sells the power back to the electors, yeah. uh, to the uh, companies as opposed to storing it. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. A uh, sports note, if you missed it last night, the Twins with a big free agent signing. They signed Josh Donaldson. Uh, third baseman, and uh, he had a good season for Atlanta last year. He's had a lot of good seasons for Toronto in the past, a couple for Oakland. Uh, he'll play third base. Miguel Sano will move to first base. Donaldson last season with 37 homers. Twins lineup is loaded. Apparently, Mr. Royce made a bet. Did you guys see this? <laughs> no. He said that there's 0% chance the Twins will sign Josh Donaldson, and if they do, I'm buying every Twins fan a beer. So they all came out in the, from the woodwork Whoa. on Twitter. Oh. As we have noted, his program, I felt really good Sunday right away at the beginning of the Packer game. He said, uh, Seattle Seahawks are going to win. I went, oh, good, the Packers are going to win. Yeah, you always want Royce to pick the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other sports note, fallout from the Houston thing. Uh, Joey Cora fired as manager of the Boston Red Sox. He was the Houston bench coach back in 2017, and apparently he's the fellow who kind of instigated it. Carlos Beltran is next, I bet, from the New York Mets. hired by the Mets this year. We'll see what happens, too. In news, parents with kids in Minneapolis public schools are speaking out over a plan that could redefine school boundaries, among other changes. It was a packed school board meeting Tuesday night, tensions running high. One of the main frustrations shared was the lack of detail that's been provided. Plenty of public comment, um, a lot of attendees surpassing the two-minute limit, requesting more clarity. And in fact, at one point, parents were actually 
shouting at each other. Any potential changes as part of the plan called the Comprehensive District Design wouldn't kick off until 2021. School district officials said the focus is not so much on a model or idea, but rather on academics, equity, and sustainability. Possible changes the district is looking at include reducing the number of racially isolated schools, as well as strategically placing and drawing boundary lines for magnet schools. Tuesday night, parents wanted to make sure the board knew they don't want another lofty plan that results in no results. I have a question. I thought it's open enrollment. Is that what this is talking about? Help me here. I don't know. I wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I was thinking about? Every ship on the ocean is dragging a thousand-foot rope with some kind of turbine that's dragging right off the bottom that's churning water, cold water from the ocean floor straight up. I was thinking about Andrew Town, who we're going to have on tomorrow as a guest. Yes. He is one of the uh, uh, fellows who was part of the team that was the first to row across the dangerous Drake Passage from Cape Horn to the uh, South Shetland Islands. John, what were you thinking about? I guess I'll I'll just keep reading the news. That damn open enrollment. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, what do you expect when you trot out that story? You know? (laughs) I was trying to help, John. I'm sorry. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Two Republican women joined the race for the second district congressional seat held by Democratic U.S. Representative Angie Craig. One's a 24-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force and a former state representative. Erica Cashin of Apple Valley, currently lieutenant colonel in the Air Force Reserve. Regina Barr of Invergrove Heights was elected to the Minnesota House in 2016, but lost to Democratic challenger Ruth Richardson in 2018. She's a small business owner. Uh, Craig uh, has announced already uh, she is voting yes for impeachment. That will come up, of course. Both Cashin and Barr are seeking the GOP nomination to challenge Craig, who unseated Jason Lewis back in 2018. Democratic presidential candidates took part last night in the debate. Anybody watch it? Oh my night God, of the no. living dead. <laughs> 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 the field was the smallest yet, just six candidates qualifying. The debate saw Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders go after each other, and uh, uh, Minnesota's Amy Klobuchar, seen as one of the winners of the debate by the folks who rate that sort of thing. Well, as sane as she was compared to the rest of them, did you see anybody up there who's going to knock off Trump? No. 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 The only good thing about these uh, Democratic debates is Twitter, because Twitter is outstanding when this is going on. (laughs) The Ukraine ambassador ousted by the Donald Trump administration is calling for an investigation into whether she was placed under surveillance by the president's allies after the release of new evidence from House committees involved in the impeachment inquiry. Marie Ovanovich, who was recalled from her position after she was targeted in what impeachment witnesses described as a smear campaign by Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani, considers the new evidence disturbing. The documents the committee released uh, from a uh, came from a Giuliani associate, Lev Parnas, who faces campaign finance charges. The documents included screenshots of WhatsApp messages with Republican candidate for Congress Robert Hyde, in which the two appear to discuss surveillance of Yovanovitch in Ukraine. The new documents show that in March, Parnas sent Hyde articles critical of Yovanovitch, in which Hyde responded, "Wow, can't believe Trump hasn't fired this b-word." No. Oh. Hyde sent a series of messages suggesting he had hired people in Ukraine to physically monitor the ambassador, referring to guys over there who might do something for a price. Hyde updated Parnas on what he said was Jovanovich's location in March of 2019. Uh, While all this was going on, President Trump told Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, the ambassador was, quote, bad news, and she's going to go through 
some things. Vladimir Putin, see this? Yeah. Reorganizing the damn country right now. Uh, has proposed changes to Russia's constitution that would limit the power of a potential successor if he steps down in 2024, indicating he might occupy a beefed-up role as Russia's prime minister or in the government state council. In a televised speech before senior officials, Putin suggested amending Russia's constitution to limit a future president to two terms in office. He so far has served four. Right after that speech, not surprisingly, the prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev, said Russia's government would resign in full, allowing Putin to appoint new ministers as he embarks on a sweeping reshuffle of Russia's leadership. That's not really a free country. Who's going to be the brave soul that raises his hand and says, I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) We'll see you later, bud. The Rock Hall class of 2020. Here we go. Right. Annual event on the this show. The debate continues. Now, this is not the uh, this is the actual people who are going in. These are not the, we've already done the nominees. All right. These are the people who are going in. All right. I protest. Well, we gotta hear it first. Oh. <laughs> Six artists and one behind the scenes player yeah. will join the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. By your tone, I suspect that you have some doubts with this one, John. Well, I don't, I don't, hey, Rock or Hall of Fame doesn't matter anymore. That's true. It's once Journey went in and once yeah. Bon Jovi went in, it, it was over. There's, there's no such thing anymore. But anyway, you're welcome. <laughs> I think that might be the first musical thing we've ever agreed on. Here we go. Here's this year's folks who are going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Depeche Mode. Uh, yeah. The Doobie Brothers. Nope. West they should be. They should. Who said nope? Who said no there? Somebody I didn't. just say no to Doobie no, Brothers. It wasn't me. No, I was no. singing West End Girls. Oh, I, I was thinking no. China Grove myself. West End Girls? Yeah, that's yeah, Depeche Mode. No, that's not Depeche Mode. Well, they're not. They got that's, the foghorn. That's, that's not uh, That's not Depeche Mode. No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, See t- why I told you to shut up when yeah, I had Abraham? Yeah, he's gone. Now, <laughs> yeah, now I know why. Is it the he's t- got the green light. Thompson Twin? No. Not Thompson Twin. Forget it. Don't worry about it. Who's going in next? I thought that song was Western Girls. Rook's looking it up. Uh, Whitney Houston. Yeah, I guess so. Although not not rock and roll. But she well, why is she I, going in? You know, Give me a break. She did have an amazing voice. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys. Thank Sorry. you. Yep. Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, really? Trent Reznor. Give me a break. I, mean, I like them, and I don't think that they should be oh, in the Hall of Fame. such a snooty snob. I mean... John, you got to keep <laughs> the going. The Notorious B.I.G. Oh, oh baby, Smalls. I love it when you come a big pop. And T Rex. I'm Those not going to foghorn now. I, I don't. Love, I don't know what they have. They had one Wait. album that was. Eh. <laughs> don't they make duct tape? They're. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so you're a T. You're anti T Rex. I like T Rex. <laughs> Bang but, a gong. But I don't believe they had the. They had one good song. That, well, they had more, that album was good. Yeah. Well, then that's it. All right. Then. And then he got killed in a car crash. Who, who yeah, was so. the rap artist that went in? Big B-I-G. P. Notorious B.I.G. Oh, oh. Hypnotize was his big. I mean, hit. does hip hop and rap belong in what's a, what they call the rock and roll? I think roll? it has to. Yeah. Okay. I think it has to. So therefore, point. you're okay with Whitney then? Because I'm fine, I, I'm you fine have to acknowledge Whitney has a hell of a voice. If this batch here, I'd go with the Doobies, Whitney, and I don't know enough, unfortunately, about the Notorious B.I.G. I know my kid's a big fan. But, yeah. But I, he I was know. massive right yeah. before he died. Yeah. Uh, and the other person going in is John Landau. Uh, he used to write for oh. Rolling Stone before he became yeah. Bruce Springsteen's manager, and uh, he's guided Springsteen's career. He earned the Amit Erdogan Award. Mm-hmm. The class of 2020 will become official May 2nd at the 35th Annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony presented by Klipsch Audio, which for the first time ever will be broadcast live on HBO. 
This year's ceremony takes place at the Public Auditorium in Cleveland. Tickets go on sale February 27th. Folks that didn't make it this year uh, that were on the nominee list. Yeah. Pat Benatar. She should be in. She should be in. I agree. Uh, Shaka Khan. Are you kidding me? You're yeah. going to let Benatar in and you're questioning Shaka Khan? Okay, let them both in. Oh, hell, you're, who doesn't get in? Oh, jeez. And uh, the other band I thought should have gone in this year. I think we already argued about this one when the nominations came out. Fiddle Lizzie. No. Yeah. Nah, they had one album. Nah, whiskey and the One jar- album. They had about six nah, great they albums. I am just a cowboy. Oh, what a great song. Boys Lone are back in town. The boys Simone are back in town. Betrayal. The cowboy song. Uh, whiskey and a jar. What's that song? Uh? Whiskey yeah. in a Dancing jug is uh, Metallica does that better than anybody. Huh? Dancing on the that is a good cover. It's in a jar. Uh, Whiskey yeah. in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> prior to uh, on the notorious B.I.G. Prior to him weighing in at a top heavy 325 pounds early on in his career, before when he was skinny, he started his career as the notorious M.E.D.I.U.M. The medium. That's pretty funny, Matthew. Notorious medium. Yeah. Notorious oh. medium. Long journey to get to the You can't hit. You can't win them all, you know. Yeah. Sometimes uh, he was known as the notorious medium. Medium. And then once he gained the weight, he went to Big. He realized (laughs) that he was. I I get it. I get it. He was keep going, John. Please for your uh, loose leaf binder, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Police in Skidawat, Rhode Island. (laughs) Yeah. I think your interview kind of made you dumb. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think I think you're done you for the day. You did well with the two big words. Whatever two big words you yeah. had, yeah. he was very impressed yeah, that you knew yeah, I those. Got him. You can get him. Skid- How long did you work on those? <laughs> <couple days? laughs> Skidawat, Rhode Island, police arrested a drunk driver early Monday morning after they found him and his truck in a swimming pool. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Officers were called to a residence on Central Pike around 1.30 in the morning for the report of a car that had driven into a pool. When they got there, they found a home over 300 yards away from Central Pike. That's 300 yards off the road. Officers began following tracks of the vehicle on the home's lawn. Now they found 22-year-old Nikolai Bautista sitting in the driver's seat of his truck that was still running, sitting in the home swimming pool. The pickup truck it's like was... the guy that was cutting Royce's grass when yeah. he <laughs> dumped the lawnmower. Oh, my God, in. remember that? <laughs> the pickup truck was leaning to the driver's side, and the pool was held out by the pool's cover. Officers soon determined from the odor of burnt rubber that Batista had been sitting there flooring the gas pedal in an attempt to get the truck out of the pool. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. Police say the passenger's side rear tire had spun so hard to the point that rubber of the tire was sprayed all over the pool's cover. Oh, Oh, wow. When Batista finally got out of the car, police say he began immediately to slur his words. He had admitted to police he'd had a few drinks. When asked how many drinks he had, he replied, two inches. (laughs) (laughs) is that a unit of measurement I think so two joules when police asked him two inches of what he replied jack as in daniels bautista also admitted to smoking marijuana prior to getting behind the wheel he was charged with first offense dui john thank you you bet we'll uh we'll return i think Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. 
I keep getting the testimonials for Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. It's right on the north end of downtown Hugo on Highway 61. It's become the garage logician's go-to place to be the palace of meat. And it truly is incredible. You've got another big football weekend coming up. Another weekend of grilling. Don't uh, pay any attention to the forecast. Pay no attention to the snow and the cold. G. Eller's Grill all year round. Spencer's offering choice. Bone-in and boneless prime rib roast, double-smoked hams, choice tenderloin, smoked salmon, lamb chops and roast, pickled herring. You guys love the jerky, which never Ooh, makes yeah. it out of the parking Sweet lot. Sweet baby. Ribeye burgers, rookie burgers, and the uh, always uh, noted 130 different flavors of lean pork brats, which must be grilled and not boiled. If you want to call ahead, too, maybe they could put together a little something for you. Maybe you want to put together a gift box if you're going to be traveling to a uh, friend's house to mooch off them while you watch the football. 651-426-2800. That gets you right to the city desk Boom. at uh, Grunhofer's. It's in Hugo. It's on Highway 61. You can't miss it. They got the big red GL sign out in the uh, front of the parking lot. It's just fantastic. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. Uh, this comes from the Pentagon. This does not come from a uh, cashier side uh, tabloid at the grocery store. The Pentagon is in possession of top secret classified briefings. Uh, regarding uh, UFOs, and they believe that it would threaten U.S. national security if made public. P.S. This mm-hmm. doesn't come from the Pentagon. It it does. Does. I had the story. Yeah. I just didn't get to it. No kidding. The files are in regard to an unusual encounter between the USS Nimitz and unknown aerial objects that occurred off the coast of San Diego in 2004. I think I've seen a show on this. Which show flying objects moving at high speeds, thousands of feet in the air, yet without any apparent wings or visible engines. In 2017 and 2018, the videos were published by the New York Times. The Navy later confirmed that the videos, which were never supposed to be released to the public, are in fact real. Wow. And were never meant to be seen. Wow. Now, in response to a public records request under the Freedom of Information Act sent by researcher Christian Lambright, the Navy is saying it has discovered additional briefing slides and an additional video pertaining to the incident here is a portion of the letter sent by the Navy to Lambright. We have discovered certain briefing slides that are classified top secret. A review of these materials indicates that they are currently and appropriately marked and classified top secret under Executive Order 13526. And the original classification authority has determined that the release of these materials would cause exceptionally grave damage to the national security of the United States. We have also determined that the Office of Naval Intelligence possesses a video classified secret that ONI is not the original classification authority for. I don't know what ONI is. Oh, Office of Naval Intelligence. Vice then reached out to the Navy to verify information regarding its response to the Freedom of Information Act request, to which the Navy replied, it has the video and then investigations are ongoing. The Department of Defense specifically The U.S. Navy has the video. Uh, As we've stated previously, as the investigation of these things continues, we're not going to tell you a damn thing about them. (laughs) However, I can tell you that the date of the 2004 USS Nimitz video is November 14th, 2004. I can also tell you that the length of the, the video that's been circulating is the same as the length of the source video. We do not expect to release this video. Uh... Why would our national security be 
stressed by the release of this. Because they're, everybody's going to do what I'm pledged to do now from this moment forward. I'm done with your stupid bleeping bills. I'm not paying one more bill ever. I'm going back to Marlboro Reds. I'm going up to three packs a day. And I hereby promise you that I will be drunk every single day for the rest of my life. What are you suspecting? It's over. You think so? It's over. This confirms everything that we've been worried about since... What was it back in the 30s out in Vegas? Uh, um, Area 54. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over. It's done. It's over. Weren't we going to storm Area 51? As a matter of fact, you know what? Where's my briefcase? I'm going to have a bleeping cigar right now. Screw you. What threat to our national security would showing me that video? Nobody's going to pay their taxes. Are you kidding me? I'm never paying the government a dime. So that what they're seeing is they're they're uh, capable of taking us over at any moment, anytime, anytime. Really, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Hey, uh, are you trying to get some credit for your? Uh, yeah, I meant to bring what that are up. You bringing I, this I up? Should be, damn, I should be. You're changing uh, the subject so we can talk about this. Well, I don't know where to go <laughs> this, with this. this. I don't know why I'm being protected by my <laughs> government from showing me this. I want to see it. Where did this story come from? How long the have you Pentagon. been? Pentagon. How long have you been sitting on it? Why didn't today. you? Why didn't you open the broadcast? Got it today. With this? Got it really? today. Because I had a guest. Global warming doesn't matter anymore. I had a guest. Yeah. Nothing matters. Well, gold, gold. Search the New York Times archives right. and watch the video. Kenny, when we get done and you leave here, where's your first stop today? The lick. <laughs> I promise you, I'll have four of them gone by the time I hit my driveway. Drinking and driving every second I'm on the no, road. No, no, no wow. he's, he's not really going to do Puffing that, kids. Big, huge Bob Marley joints the size of Red Bull cans. Yeah. Wait till he gets the tap, uh, Kenny. That's it's, it's not happening. Oh my god. I, I, uh, I'm surprised at your reaction, Kenny. I didn't know it would be that reaction. My reaction is, I want to see this. Why are you protecting oh. me from this? I guess I'm not a national security interest. I, I, uh, it's a, that's tantamount to admitting that uh, there's stuff up there that we can't defend against. Absolutely. That's what it is. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. everything we've heard, all these rumors about UFOs going back uh, 80 years, it's all true. Yeah. I'm going to the lick. So the aliens, the lick. aliens basically have us... Do you have, have any their... idea how hard it is for me to just stay sober every single day <laughs> and be amongst you asshats? Wow, sober? Really Kenny's in therapy. Do you know like... you jags? Jeez. The Germans bomb Pearl Harbor. Ah, forget it. He's on a roll. He's on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Hooplehead here. Get to Oh, it. yeah. So uh, yesterday, okay. Um, to make the short story a little bit longer. No, I want it short. <laughs> oh, you want it short? Okay. Uh, at a uh, neighbor's house, Matthew's girlfriend's parents' house. They were out of town. The kids were house-sitting. It's already too complicated. Yep. <laughs> they pulled, Gabe pulled the uh, pole thing on the snowblower. That's called a starter. The pole thing. Yeah, the rope. The, that, don't on the don't call it a pole thing. You know it's what I mean. Starter. On the starter rope. This is awesome. So it was frayed and it broke off. Okay. And uh oh, it's it's it did have the plug in, so it it would start it, on the electrical. It's called a recoil starter. That's exactly what I was going to say in my next sentence. So <laughs> Gabe and I went over to take it off to repair it, and Kenny was saying, "Oh my God, you're going to be 
It's going to be big trouble. I, t- I told them, and I've repaired a number one of the a number of these. You, you pull them off; it's four bolts, and then you have to undo the spring. And the spring is a kind that winds up. Yeah. And if you if you don't contain that spring, oh my god, as you take it off, it goes boing. Yeah. yeah. So scared you, the hell out of me. And then you have to re-spool yep. the spring. Yep. And it, it's frustrating. Why I've done didn't it. you just take it to Fred's? Well, Gabe wanted to give it a shot. Oh, if, okay, if that wouldn't sure. have happened, we would have brought it over to Fratelloni's and, and whatever. The, the, he would have advised me what to do. But uh, so he, he ordered, so we ended up taking it off. He ordered the part on Amazon. Two of them came, and I didn't realize how easy it is that you just place it over. I didn't have to mess with any recoil stuff. He took the old one out. Took the old one he off. He bolted the, in the new one. He took the whole thing off. Well, then you didn't do a damn thing. No. No, I, no, I, just, I <laughs> was scared. No, because when you the first time you pull, I didn't know. Kenny, I thought the thing was going to explode because Can of I, recoil. I have a question. Yeah, starter Is this roll. an electric starter stoneblower? Uh, there is an electric well, start why, as well. Why were you even pulling the cord? Well, because uh, it, even though it was frayed, I we broke it, so I want to I want to replace that, you didn't the part. Answer my question. Why did you skip that altogether and just start it with pressing the little red button? I did the last time, but I still wanted to repair it uh, once I got the part because I didn't want to leave them with a broken Matthew, snowboard. That tweet you sent out. Was very very <gasps> embarrassing. You embarrassed all of us. No, here that was a, that was. I was proud of you. I was proud. Uh, of on you. the contrary, this was uh, this you, was to you are be dangerously praised. close to an intervention. Did you unblock me? The, no, I, I, as a what? matter of fact, I did block you. And seriously, you have done us and Garage Logic harm. No, yeah, I think so. No. You have set the program so. back. You should see all of the uh, the response that I got on Twitter because I posted a video. Were people congratulating you? Yes, everybody was. saying There's over 100 likes, and they're all saying. This is fantastic. Uh, congratulations, Rook. Uh, I, go, I don't know how many uh, did those, scale. Did they all come from the Twitch farm? Uh, good job, my friend. Uh, <laughs> hey, Rook, Twitch I have that farm. one too. Electric start not working. Just plug her in and hit the button. That's so what I Joe think, says. I think what we should impose then is, you know how we, when you were taking an algebra course, your teacher would grade on a curve. I never took an algebra course. So yeah, maybe what we listen. should do here in GL is grade on a curve, where th- something like this for you, Kenny, this is child's play. Uh, Chris, I pulled two recoils last weekend on two snowmobiles so I could access the points and file them down because mm. they were sticking. You took out the pull thing. I uh, I did three carburetors on my three-stage, and I, I had a four on the floor. Matthew, I also did the carbs, too. Yeah, you just clean her out. And then Ken, I said that one time to Kenny. I just cleaned out the carburetor. He said, you mean the air filter? And I went, damn, yeah, you're right. I thought, cleaned out the carburetor. He said, you mean you clean out the air filter, right? I said, I guess that's what it was. Oh, that's not even close enough. No, that's, that's two different it's items. Still under the hood. Yeah, well done. Man of the year. Is the GL crew having a bitch fights? What's that? You know what? You know what really bothers me about this? The waste. You just so did you throw away the old recoil? Yeah, I can I can do anything with it because it's perfectly good. All you have to do is take it apart. Just needs a new rope. Put a new rope in there. Put it back together, and you've got an extra. It's, you know what that's called? A bing bang boom. Yeah, you got a brand new pull thing. That's little. T- let's leave well enough alone for me. Say tomorrow, Andrew Town. That's, that's un-GL. It is. We do not waste like that in Garage Logic. I'll bring it to you. And, you. And, and, Andrew Town from Minneapolis was part of a six-man crew that became the first to roll a craft from uh, Cape Horn, Chile, to the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him about that that's gonna be harrowing, mm-hmm. harrowing journey in the world's roughest oceans. That aren't even that warm, despite the megaton bombs going off. Uh, it's a it's a cold uh, part of the world there, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. Yep.
Hey, Thank don't you. forget to download the new Pod MN app for listening to Garage Logic. By the way, what's um, the point? We're aliens are gonna, you know, it's over. It's, it, it, we're gonna ride with it's you, done. aliens. If you've got your smart device, download the Pod <laughs> MN app. You joke about it, but it's over. Well, when they come, we'll tell them to go to garagelogic.com to get all of their garb, and they can catch up on a lot of the podcasts uh, as they're heading back to Org or wherever the hell they live. Stephen King said art should be judged on its quality, not diversity, and he's uh, being kicked out of the club. He's getting getting culture canceled. More on that tomorrow? Imagine that, that something should be based on quality. Yeah, we can't have that. No, it's not even going to be brought up tomorrow. I don't like Stephen King that much. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Garage Logic, the podcast version. Find everything you need at Podcast MN, Pod MN, and GarageLogic.com. And now, back to the snowmobile thing. Did I, was it snowblower or snowmobile? <laughs>